0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. If you're just joining in with us for the first time, super glad to have you here. If you are a usual around here, glad to have you back. Really excited to record episode 10. Episode 10 is going to be a little bit different, a little bit uh, more of just a monologue here, just some thoughts that I have of a metaphor, of something that I consider literally just about every day uh, because it has to do with my commute. And so super excited to talk about splitting lanes and uh, maybe some of you are unfamiliar with that term, some of you uh, maybe are some of my close motorcycle friends, you know it all too well and maybe you've had some close calls, we'll get into some of that. I just wanted to take a brief moment here before I jump into this metaphor of splitting lanes and just uh First of all, just say thank you for all of the response that I've gotten from some friends so far. It's been really great. I uh, would love to hear from you. Reach out um, on social media, Facebook, Instagram, all of that jazz. Uh, also, you can send us an email, spiritualnomadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have some events coming up, some really exciting things. Uh, late in May, we're doing an event called the Lemonade Sessions. Me and my friend Jason Page, he was uh, on the podcast earlier. I believe it was episode two he was on, uh, talking um, about his story and um, you know some redemption that, that has happened throughout his life. Uh, so Jason Page and I were doing this thing. Uh, he really is the spearhead for it. But we're doing one here in north county san diego Um, i just located a spot and confirmed it last week it will be booze brothers here in vista california so if you're around this area would love to have you i'll be giving that date out uh, soon so be on the lookout for that and eliminate sessions is how bitter things ultimately can be made sweet Uh, so super excited for that without further ado let's jump in here to the metaphor of splitting lanes So here I am, Saturday morning, sitting here in my office uh, slash bedroom here, and uh, my wife and kids, they just went down to the park to go play for a little bit, and uh, I'm just sitting here and honestly, like, just completely feeling like my body is, like, just completely trying to recoup itself from my early mornings this week. I recently, uh, I think it was February, I started working a job here in uh, San Diego, and it's a really exciting job, man. I mean, it's super thrilling. Um, Just kidding. It's, uh, I mean, it's cool. It's a cool job. It's all right. It's my first ever cubicle job. So, uh, you know, Office Space, if you've ever seen that movie, that's kind of my life now. Literally, my friends joke about buying me a red stapler. If you've not seen the movie, that makes no sense to you. If you have, it means everything in the world. Uh, So, anyway, basically... I've been working this job, and it's about a 35-minute commute from me, and some mornings I've been working really early, and actually it's kind of been the trend for the past, I don't know, maybe almost month now. I've been working like the opening shift, and so our company, we work for a company that helps other Fortune 500 companies administer pension plans and healthcare and things of that nature, so I am a Pension specialist. Yes, I know. Sounds super thrilling and exciting. And you're probably like, oh, yeah, that totally seems like something Luke would be down with. Not. Uh, and it's okay, as I said, but it's a really unique experience. There's some really cool people that I get to hang out with and, and talk to there. But in doing this, uh, we help people all over the United States. So, you know, East Coast, nine o'clock business starts right so that means you're on the west coast that means six o'clock business starts so i've been having to work and get there at about 555 in the morning and dude i'm not a morning person let me just tell you right up front like i have become more of a morning person it's like been a uh, discipline in my life to wake up early like i've i've really tried to over the years Accustom myself to waking up early. cuz I just like the way it feels like it feels good to get up get your day started you know spend your time in meditation and just really get your mind right and you know read some scripture and get that stuff in you and You know, so i've tried to make a habit of it because dude i'm telling you back in high school literally There were weekends and in the summer that I wouldn't wake up till you know noon one in the afternoon like that blows my mind out like so crazy that I could even do that but it's what it is so over the years I've gradually been able to discipline myself to wake up earlier and uh, you know even whenever I, I don't have a job that requires me to wake up so early I, I try to get up you know around 7 seven thirty, get my day started but this job being in Sorrento Valley if you're in San Diego you know where that is with 805 and the 5 meet there To commute from North County there, it's about 35 minutes with no traffic, and I have to be there at 5.55 in the morning, and it's just, like, insane. I'm waking up, like, my alarm goes off at 4.40, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing, you know? So anyways, I get up, I get my coffee, I get out the door as quick as I can, and most mornings, uh, I typically jump on my motorcycle. My motorcycle is my preferred mode of transportation you know I mean I don't really enjoy driving the car um, but some days I have to especially whenever I have to get up so early but some mornings I get on my motorcycle and I get to work early which is great um, but whenever I leave work I typically leave you know sometimes I can get off early but whenever I leave work maybe it's around that two o'clock area and you know a a lot of times traffic's already starting to pick up for for the evening rush hour. I know it's crazy. It just seems to happen way earlier here in Southern California. I don't understand. So like three, four o'clock is like, man, like you really don't want to be out on the roads. It's just, it gets too, too crazy out there. So, especially if you're in a car. But for me, on a motorcycle, I get a special privilege uh, being here on um, in California. I get to what's affectionately called split lanes. And so what I get to do, for those of you that are not familiar with this term, that are not motorcycle people, that don't live in California, if you live in California, you know about lane splitting probably all too well. You've probably lost a mirror if you're driving in a car at some point with some of these dudes. But basically, you have the ability that when traffic is backed up or anytime really, um, you know, cops are really pretty lenient on it, you can go right in between the cars. If you can make it through, no problem. You just go right through them. And you can save so much time splitting lanes. Matter of fact, whenever I was doing uh, motorcycle sales, this was like a huge selling point. I'd be like, do you like sitting in traffic? The obvious answer is no. Well, here is here you go. I mean, you get to save gas and get to places quicker, you know? And it's true. You do get that opportunity uh, with lane splitting. But, you know, as much as I love lane splitting, it's actually probably at times, if I can be completely honest here, sometimes it's one of the most scariest things that I do, and you know I, I'm pretty confident. You know, I mean I've grown up riding dirt bikes. I've always uh, had an awareness, um, you know, for uh, for danger, and I've had you know this instinct of caution, you know, and so maybe that's sometimes to a fault. But you know I, I'm pr- pretty well at taking these risks. But these risks that I know that I can, that may be close calls, but I know that I can can get myself through them. But it's not been, like, since I've been lane splitting, that has gone through the roof. Like, my awareness has had to be at the top of its level. And so at 5.30 in the morning, it's sometimes hard to crawl out of your, you know, warm bed, you know, and then get on your bike and, you know, get all suited up and cruise and have your awareness be so high. Because even though there's not as much traffic... I still end up splitting lanes because it's fun and you get places quicker. Uh, but the thing is, even though it's great, it's one of these scary things, and especially especially those mornings that there's a lot of traffic. And I loathe going on this highway. Uh, it's called, we, It's the 56 highway, and it connects from the 15 over to the 5 going over to the coast. And it gets so backed up. It's just like a two-lane highway. There's no stoplights or anything. But the worst part about it is whenever cars are only going, they're, they're either stopped, they're only going about five or 10 miles an hour, and you're blasting right through the middle of them. And people, at the last minute, or just really quick, wanna just jump into that other lane. And they just switch lanes really quick. And it's one of the most scariest things whenever people just at a split second, your awareness on your motorcycle, you have to have such an awareness and be so tuned in in that moment because if you're not, you're going to get hit. Like no question about it, you are going to get hit. And so your attentiveness in those situations as you're splitting lanes, especially on those two lane roads when cars are literally, you know, stopped the 10 miles an hour is actually the worst time to lane split. And so I have this thought, and every day that I'm riding my motorcycle to and from work, I have this this thought of, you know, like, man, is this going to be my last ride? <laughs> literally, and I've not even told my wife this, but literally whenever I text her, I'm on my way home. I always, you know, I tell her I'm on my way, you know, and I try to send like one of those, you know, kiss face emojis or whatever because like, to be honest like I I always have that thought like is this the last text that I'm gonna send like is this the last time I'm gonna have communication with my wife in the mornings whenever I leave you know I I look at my wife and I think about my kids and I just think is this gonna be it and that's a really real thought and so some people would say well why don't you just not ride your motorcycle you don't understand it's not easy for me to just not ride my motorcycle you know if you love basketball Would you just not play basketball because you might, you know, break your leg or fall and hit your head or, you know, whatever? I mean, this is so ingrained within me. Motorcycles is, I mean, it's just, it's a part of who I am. I can't not ride it. And I do feel confident, but it is really scary in those moments that you don't know what people are going to do. And I began to think about this. And as I'm riding, and I know this is probably not a great thing, but my mind is thinking about in that moment you know I've developed really good neurological patterns in my brain that where you know I will automatically just do what I need to do you know pull in the clutch, break, swerve whatever I've just created that in my mind from for doing it for so many years and so even you know there was a couple of weeks ago there's a situation where you know I um, I won't disclose gender or race. So. But (laughs) there seems to be some stigmas around uh, uh, both of those. And I'm going to leave them alone because, you know, that's a different episode to talk about, you know, equality and things of that nature. But let's just say this person uh, in the slang area of life and in the urban dictionary of life, they aren't known for having great track records of driving. And this person, dude, I'm cruising down, splitting lanes, and then they begin to start to come over. And usually people do it quick, you know? And if they do it quick, I'm cool with it, you know, because I can break, they can move into their other lane, I can go by. I can kind of give them a glare, you know, whatever, and move on. Or they begin to switch lanes, and they realize, like, oh, damn, there's a bike coming, I need, no, I. and they go back in their lane, and it's cool, and I pass by, no problem. This person was, like, the world's, slowest switcher of lanes. Now think about this for a moment. These cars are only going about 5, 10 miles an hour. I'm going about 45 miles an hour. Okay, maybe that's unsafe, but hey, it's fun. And that's what I do. And, you know, that's how you get to work on time. Take it for what it is. And she begins to do that. And I have to, without even thinking about it, my brain, I just, I pull in on my clutch. I hit my brakes. I swerve over to the side. I raise my arm up, whatever. And you know, actually I'm not a perfect person. I never do this. Okay. I'm serious. I'm going live on the podcast with it. I seriously, I don't do this. <laughs> it pissed me off so bad. I gave her the finger, turned around. I'm just, and as soon as I did it, I knew I was like, I shouldn't do that. Like they're just a person, you know, it's like my compassionate side comes in, you know, like I'm a three wing two. So I do have that two side of me that does kind of want to be people pleasing and care about people and things of that nature. So (laughs) I feel really bad about it, but I just keep moving on. And I just thought later, like, man, if it wasn't for myself knowing what to do in that moment, in that split second of time, I could have been done or at least like pretty busted up from it. And so I was just thinking the other morning as I was splitting through these lanes, I was just thinking, man, I have trained myself to know what to do in these situations. But even though I've trained myself to know what to do, I still have to be attentive. I still have to be aware because if I just go on autopilot, like that's what I tell myself all the time. Luke, pay attention because it's so second nature to ride a motorcycle. It just kind of becomes second nature or it is second nature and I just kind of forget, you know. So my point with all of this is is that as I was riding down the road, I was just thinking how important it is that how we in general have to make these pathways in our brain to live the lives that we want to live that ultimately are going to protect us for ourselves and for people around us. And it takes discipline and it takes time. It takes seat time to be able to do these things, to be able to shift our brains and ultimately create new neurological pathways for what we truly want for whenever situations come, you know, cause there's the enjoyment, you know, I love just getting out, riding with friends. That's the enjoyment, but also there's the crucial times. That's like, you know, I need to be aware and my brain needs to know what pathways to take. Maybe in the sense of anger, what do I do whenever anger arises? I need to be able to have the motor skills in my brain to do that. I've not done well with anger over the years, you know, my wife, Lindsay and I, you know, we've been married, um, you know, for, for quite a few years now, uh, 2010, we got married. So we've been, we'll be running up on seven years this year. We've been dating this month will be 10 years that we have been actually together dating and she's known me for a long time. And I have had to literally have seat time, if you will, training my brain for anger. because she almost left me actually right about a you know, little bit before we got married because I would just lose my mind so much and do stupid stuff. And it's like we need to have these new pathways in our mind, this seat time of redirecting ourselves because in the time that those cars pull out in front of us, we have to have those motor skills to know what to do. And even more so as I was thinking about having that those motor skills, like that's the beginning of being able to – change and to live life, um, more intentionally speaking, you know, as I've been listening to audible, uh, you know, uh, Mike McCarg's new book, finding God in the waves. And he has so much good content about your brain and really what your brain is doing whenever it meditates, whenever it encounters God, whenever, you know, we, um, you know, worship a God that is primarily loving over primarily angry, you know, and, and understanding What is happening neurological in our mind and the pathways that we create and what the outcome begins to be when we actually give effort and give the, you know, the electric electric magnetic, you know, uh, sparks in our brain to create those new things whenever we push into those. And so I was just thinking like how much I want to continue to press into those places that my mind just knows how to experience God. And my mind knows how to handle myself in light of that in any and all situations. Not saying I have to go on autopilot, but in my attentiveness, being able to navigate in those moment of times, like splitting lanes and like the people coming out and pulling out in front of you. And that led me to the next thing. And this is the second side of the coin. And the second side of the coin is this. I've been thinking just about like the path of life that I've been on for a while now and moving out here to California and just experiencing, you know, just kind of a shift in, in how we want to do things. Cause I still believe that like, God is always, regardless of how it looks, wanting to pull people together, our most ancient, um, you know, uh, traces of humanity go back to understanding like, why are we here? What is our purpose? Is there something greater? Is there something orchestrating, you know, all of these things? Is there a divine being who is present? And on the second side of that is, how do we experience that together? The most ancient um, understandings of, you know, um, not only civilizations, but of religions are based around those two things. They can trace it back. I believe I was listening to uh, Riza Aslan. He's a Uh, you know, um, really cool guy as far as, um, you know, very involved in politics and things of that nature, but really bringing light to world religions and stuff. He was on a podcast talking about, it was like 250,000 years ago, we can trace some of the earliest origins of religion. And it's this search for that. You know, it's this search for understanding who we are together and why are we all here based on a greater divine presence. And I believe that God still wants that today. And I believe that we as humanity still crave that. It might not look like how it's always looked because it's always changing. It's always fluid. But I believe that we uh, still desire that. And so I'm trying to figure out what does that look like? Historically, we've called that church. What does that look like today? Because I moved out here to, quote, plant a church. And I've really, really been shaped over this past year of living here. And as I was splitting lanes one day, and it was a day that I went into work a little later, so it was really bad traffic, and I was, you know, going through the lanes, and I was just thinking about, you know, sometimes we speed up and we get to, you know, go through the, you know, split the lanes a little quicker, and we don't have to worry necessarily as much about if people are gonna, you know, um, get into our lane or, or switch lanes on us, and and contrary to popular belief, actually, splitting lanes at a faster rate of speed is actually m- much safer. Like, whenever I go through two cars that are traveling somewhat next to each other, maybe they're doing 70 and I'm doing 80 and I just split the lane, you know, at 80, 85 mile an hour, it's actually safer than that 5, 10 mile an hour speed or even stopped of splitting lanes. And sometimes you can split lanes at a fast rate of speed and it's more thrilling, it's enjoyable. And sometimes in life, we get that thrill, we get that excitement, we're able to to do the things that we want to do at a faster rate of speed and it seems like we're invincible. When you split lanes at that rate of speed, seriously, you feel like nobody can touch you. Nobody can keep up with you. You can outrun anybody. Even when I'm riding this slow Harley, you know, you just really feel invincible. And sometimes on our journey, sometimes on life, even when things look risky, we're on this roll. We're on this excitement. We, we are able to do all things and it feels like we're on top of the world and we got everything together and then sometimes life gets a little bit slower and i would say if you're anything like me sometimes when life gets a little bit slower things get a little bit more dangerous and even sometimes i would even say that in those times where we're having to to travel at a slower rate of speed but maybe we're we're around more people maybe there are more people involved in our life and, and we can't go that fast because if you go fast people say the old proverb you know if you want to go fast go alone Um, you know but if you want to be together you got to go slow or something like that really butchered it whatever it's (laughs) off the top of my head you know and it's like sometimes when we're going together with people there is more opportunity for people to cut in front of us to have danger to have conflict and sometimes Those moments where we have to be much more aware, we have to rely on those skills that we have created in our brain to be able to navigate some of those difficulties that we can have. May that be community, may that be in a church, may that be in a workplace, you know, may that be in a business startup. When you're moving sometimes and it seems like it's more clustered, it seems like it's more, um, you know, like there's a lot happening, there's a lot of people around, and you try to move faster sometimes it's you know setting yourself up for something bad to happen you know i can't split lanes going 70 miles an hour and people are only driving 10 miles an hour if somebody cuts out in front of me the damage is going to be bad i have to slow down my rate of speed to the rate of speed of those around me so that we can rely more on those Uh, skills that we have developed to be able to keep the traffic moving together may that be as a whole society as a nation may that be in close proximity and community so I think the metaphor of splitting lanes is twofold I think it's one creating pathways in our brain that are constantly moving towards love towards peace towards patience towards joy kindness gentleness self-control this fruit of the spirit of God within us it's creating those things that in any moment that those are what come out of us and in the same time on the other side of that that other side of the fold is that when we're splitting lanes and we're going at a rate of speed through life that sometimes it's slow sometimes it's fast but actually sometimes in the slow times of life that we actually have to be more acutely aware what it is because some, you know, people pull out in front of us. Maybe that be through a person in our life that is destructive. Maybe that be through, you know, a, a circumstance that is that has came up, an unexpected circumstance. I'm telling you, when people cut in front of you and you're splitting lanes, it's unexpected. And it really, really can throw things off for the groove of the rate of speed of travel that you're going. And so I just wanted to bring out that metaphor um, more so of anything, just kind of a a mind external process of a thought that I've been thinking about for a while, and of just splitting lanes as a metaphor for we can truly train ourselves to do this thing of life better together. And so, with that, just want to give that to you uh, as a as a thought, uh, and and ultimately in this podcast, um, my goal with this is not only to externally process some of the thoughts of my mind, but to challenge us together to press into those things. And so I just want to, um, you know, just together as a as spiritual nomads, that we would live lives of meditation, that we would live lives that actually uh, take time to contemplate these things to contemplate the divine, to contemplate what it looks like for us to travel together. Because that's one thing about being a nomad is, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's just easier to do this thing alone. Like, it's easier. I don't have to deal with people's quirky theology, you know, weird sayings, annoying, you know, uh, yeah, basically, you know, business marketing schemes from, from churches. Like, I don't have to deal with all that. Whenever I'm by myself, that's what makes me a nomad. I'm by myself, but I want people. My desire is that we would see the beauty in mystery together and that we would see the beauty and meditation on the divine together. And I'm really, really excited to see how instead of people picking up stones and throwing at the current um, reality of of the spiritual faith uh, traditions of community, to be able to even peek back into the most ancient of times to see that even though we are evolved, we are very primitive. It's a paradox. It's happening at the same time, and that we can train ourselves through these things, through the metaphor of splitting lanes, that we can travel together. That we can do these things and get plugged into community and understand that we have human faults. You know, we have there the reason that there is the faults of people pulling out in front of us is based on human error. And even though self-driving cars are coming very, very, very soon, my daughter and son will probably not even ever drive cars, uh, which is a fun topic that we'll talk about with another guest for another time. But ultimately, in this time now, we have the reality of human error. And human error happens in cars all the time, pulling out in front of people, doing stupid stuff, car death is one of the leading causes of death in the united states why would we think any less of communities of traditions of of people that we're in relationship with in society there is human error and i think when we begin to have more of a grace filled reality we'll be able to excuse some of these human errors and instead of fighting and instead of defense we're able to build those bridges together with each other And that's where I believe this idea of meditation, of neurological pathways, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I think meditation and action on that and practice is truly what's going to keep us moving together in the direction that we want to go. So I just want to leave you with this. Just a a blessing over you. And, and, And that word blessing, I've had a lot of, you know... Uh, frustration with over the years but to bless people is is so much greater so much more holistic than what we even have reduced it down to in the christian subculture but my dad used to tell me this every single day before i would leave and it's a variation of of a uh, verse in, in the book of numbers in the old testament and i've even made a little variation to it myself but just a blessing so just real quick just take a moment just encourage you to take a deep breath And may the source of life, the spirit of God, fill you and may his presence be so present in your midst and may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and may his face shine upon you and give you grace and peace.